Start each week learning and growing as a community. Join us as we embark on the next growth adventure with the weekly reading. Chapter 2. We are all divine. The following sutras enlighten us as to who we really are and how we experience life when we are in that state of knowing. They also remind us that as our consciousness moves outward, we separate from our essential nature. It is this identification with our divine self that leads us to joy. Yoga is the uniting of consciousness in the heart. United in the heart, consciousness is steadied. Then we abide in our own true nature, joy. At other times, we identify with the rays of consciousness, which fluctuate and encourage our perceived sufferings. 1.2. Yoga is the uniting of consciousness in the heart. Yoga, chitta, vritti, nirodaha. It's a Sanskrit transliteration of this well-known sutra. Through this one sutra, we are able to know the true essence of yoga. Deep within our hearts, we abide as pure divine consciousness. But with the material world pulling us every which way, our consciousness is drawn outward as our knowledge of the divine. As our knowledge of the divine self slowly fades, it takes with it the understanding of our true nature. Chit is pure universal consciousness, and chitta is the same consciousness individually expressed. Chit is the ocean of consciousness, vast and unlimited. At birth, each of us gathers a small quantity of this vastness and encases it in the temple of our heart as chitta, individual consciousness. Held for many years, it remains unchanged. Then, at the end of our life, it is released back into the ocean of consciousness. The recognition of oneness causes the chitta to instantaneously unite with the chit. Many translations of the Yoga Sutras link this sutra to notions of controlling one's mind and thoughts, trying to gather and control the multitude of thoughts and emotions with no knowledge of their origin is a daunting idea and a very difficult task. It seems to be a comp it seems to be a compromised way of explaining the concept of consciousness to a culture that does not have roots in the belief that we are all divine. Consciousness abides in the heart, not in the mind, as many believe. But when we realize that it is the heart that is the holder of our consciousness. Reunion, once understood to be a difficult task, seems more likely. When this sutra is translated referencing only the mind, the emphasis on, is on control, restraint, or some form of restriction. It encourages students to be harsh with the consciousness. But the heart responds more readily to tenderness and gentle, caring treatment of your consciousness is the best way to liberate it. 
Notice your hand gestures when you are speaking to someone about who you are. Gesturing to my heart when I say, I am Nishla Devi, reveals the truth. I live here in my heart. Yoga is the uniting of consciousness in the heart. Yoga with a capital Y. Today, the word yoga conjures up the image of some difficult or contorted pose. Once regulated to a few faraway ashrams or caves, it is now practiced in gyms, health clubs, and studios all over the Western world. What is being taught under the name of yoga is a minute part of this great tradition, a microscopic focus on the physical. Yoga, in its completeness, is a way of life that allows for total transformation. But the physical postures, or asanas, can serve as an introduction to this distinguished wisdom tradition. Asanas reintroduce us to our bodies. Once we become friends with the physical, going inward to the spiritual becomes easier. Yoga, in its completeness, is a way of life that allows for total transformation. And the body leads us. My early experience with yoga, just like that of most yoga students today, was mainly physical. Not a very physically not a very physical person by nature, I nonetheless endured all the stretching and bending, hoping to find something more. I brought my search into yet another yoga class, this time at the Integral Yoga Institute in San Francisco. As soon as I walked in the door, I was struck by a photo of the teacher beaming at me. Face aglow with love and compassion. Somewhere inside, I knew that Sri Swami Shnashidanaji, whom I later discovered to be an exalted yoga master, was the teacher who would ignite my soul, guiding me on my inner journey back to my own spirit. Integral yoga enabled me to balance body, mind, and emotions, reminding me that through Opening my heart, I could touch the depth of my soul. Yoga became one of the greatest blessings in my life. Yoga takes us back to the beginning of our journey of becoming human. We spark the memory that we are first and always an aspect of the divine. The physical body was created as a temple to house this divine light. One starry night, our mother and father felt that spark, and before long, the largest and smallest human cells, egg and sperm, were united. We were on our way to a physical birth. Our temple was being built. Our mission, as we were already divine by nature, was to integrate our divinity with our humanity. No striving for divinity, no original sin, only the recognition of our true nature. Born helpless into the physical world, our tiny being is overwhelmed by sensory stimulation. Finding the confines of the human body excruciatingly restrictive, we spend most of the time traveling in the astral world, brought back to earth only when the body needs food 
or a soil diaper replaced, or when we are called back by the love of others on earth. As time goes on, we spend more time in the physical body, and the process of thinking and feeling begin to mature and occupy more of our consciousness. When at last we fully settle into the body, the challenge is to remember that we are divine, as well as human beings. This is the essence of this sutra, to remember that we are and always will be divine beings who have become divinely human. Divine consciousness emanates from our hearts, infusing our bodies, minds, emotions, and our very lives. Yoga is the uniting of consciousness in the heart. When we are able to realize this truth, all the sutras that follow, yoga, chitta, vritti, narodaha, are unnecessary. For most of us, however, the study of all the sutras is a necessary reminder as we are quick to forget who we really are. As we embrace each subsequent sutra, we hope to uncover that which is obscuring this truth and come closer to living by it. When delving into yoga, it is up to you to choose how you manage yourself and others. It is important to remember that you are not the only one who is divine. Everyone is the same as you, just housed in different containers, shapes, and temples. Embracing the same essence, your relationship with the divine consciousness deepens or lessens according to your observance and treatment of yourself and others, divine being or human being, divine being and human being, your choice. The more we cloak our divinity, the dimmer the spark becomes. If we choose to shape our lives according to the lesser amount of light rather than the boundless amount of light from the source, this becomes the yardstick by which all our experiences are measured. Yoga is the uniting of consciousness in the heart. As serene as a mountain lake. Imagine consciousness in all its purity as a clear mountain lake. Gazing into the lake, we can see the mirror image of the mountains that surround it. This pristine illumination mirrors our divine nature. While all is still and calm, the mind and heart rest in their divine nature, and we experience love and oneness for all. A gentle wind blows across the lake, and the clear images become slightly wavy. The crystal clear reflection of the light is disturbed, yet the distorted image can still be seen. If the wind continues to strengthen, the reflection of the mountains is soon completely obliterated. The wind represents our thoughts and emotions, at first gentle and then strengthening. As the wind increases, it stirs up the bottom of the lake, and the clarity of the reflection is replaced by muddy turbulence. It may happen occasionally at first, and then slowly, without realizing it. It becomes more and more frequent. Eventually, our divine nature is no longer being luminously reflective. 
After some time, this motion causes the shore to wash into the lake, forming sandbars. Our thoughts and feelings form these clusters of habitual patterns, tendencies, and potentialities called samskaras. The samskaras accrue by the constant churning of the thoughts and emotions. Whenever any thought or feeling encounters the wind, it is easily fed into one of these patterns. Then our habits and tendencies become set and the mountains disappear from view. The pattern of habit or samskara is difficult to change as our consciousness is often unable to reconfigure the obvious. An unexpected change in circumstance can be missed. If we look only for the predicted course, once the sandbars have developed, it takes a great wind of change to modify the shape. Yoga is the uniting of consciousness in the heart. The lotus flower has long been a symbol of the unfolding of spirituality. It is one of the most eloquent illustrations of the meshing of our human and divine natures. The lotus seed is planted and grows in muddy waters below the surface of the lake, far from light. Though the light is murky and unclear, the flower blossoms by drawing energy from within. As the bud passes through the muddy waters, it lifts its face to the sunlight and finally emerges. Miraculously, not a trace of soil remains on the flower. It lives in the mud, yet is unaffected by it. This is an example for us to be in the world, but not be adversely affected by it. The lotus flower teaches us that no matter how muddied the waters of our consciousness may become, clarity can always emerge from our spirit of the divine light. Clarity can always emerge from our spirit if the divine light guides us, even if it is only one tiny lotus blossom at a time. I looked in temples, churches, and mosques. I found the divine in my heart. Rumi. Yoga, Chitta, Vritti, Narodaha. Yoga is the uniting of consciousness in the heart. Experiencing the divine spirit within. In a softly lit room, sit as close as comfortably possible to a mirror. Take a few deep breaths in and let them out slowly. Allow yourself to relax. Take a moment to look at your own familiar face. Allow thoughts to drift away. Bring the awareness to your eyes. Keep your eyes soft as you gaze deeply into them. At first, you may feel uncomfortable. We rarely, if ever, look ourselves in the eye. But the eyes are the windows to the soul. So take a look into your own. Continue to relax and soften the gaze. 
Find yourself going deeper within until you get a glimpse of the divine light that is ever present. Repeat either to yourself or aloud, I am a divine being. Start by doing this for one minute and build to five minutes or more. As you allow, as you allow your eyes to close, be still and experience any feelings that surface. What did you experience? Could you feel the depth of consciousness within? Practice two times a day for one week and observe how your newfound feelings and thoughts influence the vision of your true nature and other people's as well. Each time you pass a mirror or think of yourself in any way, reaffirm, I am a divine being. One point three. United in the heart, consciousness is steadied, then we abide in our true nature. Joy. When consciousness reunites and remains undisturbed, our true divine nature is revealed as joy. The expression of this joy is infinite love, which encompasses and then transforms everything it touches. Everywhere we look, we see the reflection of our divine and joyful nature. Many of us have had a glimmer of this feeling when we are falling in love. Everything looks brighter. Even gloomy days cannot dissuade us from our bliss. We radiate joy and greet the world with openness and clarity. People smile at us, mirroring this loving energy back to us. This then serves to remind us of who we truly are and the glorious cycle continues. Recently, I was in the midst of making some very complicated travel arrangements. My flight schedule was a particularly important missing piece, so I called the airline. As usual, I was quickly put on hold while some dreadful music filled my ear. Every so often, a mechanical voice assured me that my call was very important to the company. As the minutes ticked away, I believed it less and less. Finally, an agent came on the line. It was, I admit, a complicated flight arrangement, but the length of time it took him to do it did not match the job. I was losing my patience, using the idle pen while I was awaiting the scheduled details. I began to write Om Shanti, the peace mantra, to regain my calm. Periodically, he would come back to let me know that he was still working on it. I thanked him and went back to my meditative writing. Quite a while later, he came back very apologetic that it had taken so much longer than he had hoped. Me too. We finally finished the arrangements and I thanked him. I want to thank you, he said. Why would you want to thank me? This has been one of the worst days of my life. Ever since I came in this morning, each call I received got progressively more abusive. I know I'm not quick, but I try to do my work diligently. But people have just been so impatient today. At two minutes to five, I was writing up my resignation. Something told me to take one more call. It was you. 
You were so kind and patient and well, loving to me. Even though I was slow, you weren't harsh on me. I was able to remember that I am a good worker. Because of your kindness, I have decided not to quit. I pray that I may have many more customers like you. And for the ones that are not, I pray to have your patience. I was amazed. It was as if he felt the vibration of the Om Shanti mantra, which enabled me to be patient. Love is the common thread that united us. When consciousness is united in the heart, the reality manifests, and we know that we are all one in joy and love. United in the heart, consciousness is steadied, Then we abide in our true nature, joy. 1.4. At other times, we identify the rays of consciousness, which fluctuate and encourage our perceived suffering. Identifying with murky thoughts and feelings is like looking in a distorted mirror or a muddied lake. Those unclear images are often reinforced by the outside world. When we identify with, grumpy or angry thoughts, the mind beams them outward. Similar thoughts and similar people are attracted to us as if magnetically. When we feel sad or fearful, friends who feel the same may call us. After all, misery loves company. As we come to understand that our nature is joy and love, perceived suffering is unable to take root. Realizing that we do not have to be bound by any one interpretation, we alter our mode of identification. We then recognize and relate to our highest consciousness. Imagine yourself standing in front of an enormous structure, one so large that it does not appear to have any boundaries. It is adorned with so many images, sayings, and words that the vastness keeps you engrossed. Even if, at times, the writings and images are disturbing, you remain attentive. Finally, glancing around for a moment, you spot a small opening, not much larger than your eye. You never imagined this structure had any kind of depth. Its surface seemed so complete and all-encompassing. Pressing your forehead to the wall, you peer through the small opening and are instantly transported to another reality, an incredibly beautiful scene filled with radiant light and glorious color. The disturbing images and messages that seemed so real only moments ago evaporate, like rain touched by the sun's radiance as it emerges from the clouds. You are transported through the portal to a peaceful vision. Once you taste the joy of living in beauty and love, you no longer find anything captivating about suffering. Kiss the other cheek. I was in Dole's International Airport, accompanying Mataji Indra Devi, one of my beloved teachers, then 95 years young, to her departing flight. Since saying goodbye to her students was always a lengthy process, she was running a bit late. So we sped to security, tossing her carry-on bags onto the conveyor belt. As she was about to walk through the metal detector, Mataji turned around and walked the other way, 
oh no, what's she up to now? I thought consciousness of this, I thought conscious of the seconds ticking away. Oblivious to the movement of time, she had spotted an obviously unhappy security guard whom I had sped by without noticing. She headed back toward him, fully five feet tall in shoes. Mataji planted herself directly in front of the towering six foot five inch guard. Standing on tiptoes, she reached up and took hold of his necktie. Using both hands as if climbing a rope, she pulled him down so that they were face to face. Stunned, he did not resist. I was aghast. What would happen? Would she be arrested? Should I try to stop her? Mataji let go of his necktie with one hand and placed the other behind his head and then planted a big kiss right on his cheek, complete with a loud smacking sound, releasing both his tie and him. She turned and walked away. The guard was reeling, a smile of amazement on his face. She then casually walked through the metal detector and, addressing my obviously surprised look, shrugged and said he needed that, as if explaining everything. Thank you for joining in on the fun. Be sure to like and subscribe for more.